This is Season 7, Episode 3 of Beyond the Illusion. Inner Medicine with Carrie Hummingbird. episode we have another amazing guest Carrie Hummingbird talking with us about her new book Inner Medicine Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. You might remember Carrie from way back in season four and it was a strange coincidence when I looked back through the previous episodes to find out when she was last on with us because when I found the episode it turns out we actually spoke to her very very close to being exactly two years ago to the day. So that was another synchronicity that popped up in my life recently, and I'm sure all of you have been experiencing more and more of those these days, because I hear about lots of those types of experiences from people I know, so I'm sure it's happening to you too. There's even a strange synchronicity that happens during our conversation with Carrie. I'm starting to see all these little oddities as guideposts in my life and little reminders that I'm on the right path. And I think you're going to enjoy this episode because Carrie has a really special way of reminding us of our precarious situation on this planet right now. And she urges us to become more aware of our life's purpose and responsibility to one another. I feel really motivated after hearing Carrie talk because she's one of those brave souls who isn't afraid to think, act, and live outside the box. Let's go to the conversation with Carrie Hummingbird, Tiana Roser, we're so happy to have you back carrie you're such a prolific writer and you're out with a new book and i'm so excited to talk to you about your newest book inner medicine can you give our readers sort of a a brief summary of what this book is about yeah, so inner medicine is really the culmination of my life journey. I'm 53 and half of my journey I spent seeking outer medicine, external medicine, looking for answers from the experts that had the PhDs and the certificates, you know, medical professionals and trying to fix my life that way. And I got into a dark tunnel of despair after receiving a pretty a diagnosis that felt really awful, but like a death sentence, like, oh, you're always going to be crazy and always going to be messed up. And you're always going to take these pills and you're always going to have to come to weekly sessions. And so when I walked away from that, it really was on an impulse from my spirit. And I said, okay, I can't stay here anymore. I can't live this way anymore. This book is closed for me, this book of fate. I didn't even know what that was at the time, but I just said, I can't, this is killing me and I need another potential. And so I left my marriage and walked out and left psychotherapy. And within six months, I stopped taking all the medication that they wanted me to take. And I started pursuing inner medicine. So inner medicine is that inner explanation, the inner realms, understanding myself, discovering myself, and learning how to turn my wounds into wisdom, my wounds into medicine that then would help others, myself and others and my family. And so the deeper I walked in that journey, the more, as you know, I learned how to navigate 
the different aspects of myself and learn the skills I needed to learn in order to show up in a really beautiful way for myself and others. And so now I share this book, Inner Medicine, and it shares about the medicine path. It shares about the medicine wheel, which is an indigenous concept. The South, the West, the North, and the East represent different aspects of ourselves. And we can welcome all this assistance from our inner realms and our ancestors and all of the life on earth and to support us in, in that journey. And so that's really what the book is about is navigating a new map. So many of us have lost that connection with earth and the idea of the medicine will. I love using that as sort of the way that you organize this book. For those of us that are not so familiar with what each of those four directions represents, could you give us a little overview about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I started opening sacred space with my first teachers that taught me this path. And at first I felt kind of silly, like, what is this even doing? Is this even doing anything? So when I started opening sacred space, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just was opening a, a dialogue, a conversation opening the the south, the west, the north, and the east, the earth, and all the allies, and the stars, and the moon, and the sun above. And eventually, I deepened into that. So the more I did it, the more I kind of built this track of knowing this connection, this relationship, relationship with each of the directions. So that's what I share in the book is my understanding from my own personal relationship with the four directions. And so for me, and this isn't going to match everybody's map of the wheel. So let's just be clear up front. Like my map isn't going to match everybody's map, but it's a starting place. So for me, the South is the body. It's coming present with the current moment. It's getting in your body with your feet on the ground on earth, opening your heart and your mind and listening and coming present. And that's the South. It helps us to come into our bodies in the moment and realize we're breathing, we're alive you are human, we're spirit, we're all of it, and we're connected. And so it's like connecting us in the moment. And the South can also show you like a wake up call, like, hey, <laughs> you're you're not really paying attention over here in this part of your life, or there's some, you know, here's another wake up call over here in this part of your life. Like it, it can really kind of wake you up, not in a mean way, but just in a, hey, are you sure this is what you want kind of way? So I love the South for that medicine. And then in the West, it's about really asking yourself the question, what am I holding on to that no longer serves me? What am I holding on to that really needs to be released? What am I perceiving as a wound that actually has wisdom? What is the beauty of this situation? And how can I alchemize it by letting go of what has been alchemized into a new potential? The West is so good at that. And in terms of animal spirit guides, the West is Jaguar. It's the one that hunts in the dark and your subconscious and tracks things and really notices what's going on. And I forgot to mention in the South, it's serpent, it's Kundalini energy, of course, get you in your body, right? So in the West, it's really about our emotional, our limbic system and the stories that we wrap around emotion and the way that we perceive life. The West can open that up for us. Like, is that really true? Are you sure? How do you know that? And what if there could be another potential? And so the West helps us to, to walk in the world very luminous and seeing the beauty of all things and holding no grudges, you know, and kind of letting everything evolve and transform. So that's the West for me. 
the North is our ancestors and guides and our past lives and the inner child and the inner parents, the inner mother, all the inner realms, the multidimensional self that we can navigate that North self. And we can find out who we are in truth and love. And that includes a whole bunch of stuff because we're all part of fractals, ancestral fractals, and we're part of multidimensional layers of being. And so the North then is dealing with the part of your brain that can actually navigate all that, the corpus callosum, the third eye, the inner vision, the inner seeing, and that higher reasoning, the higher reasoning self that can know yourself as divine. So that is, for me, that's the North. And we gather around the campfire with the ancestors and we hold hands and we sing songs and we tell our stories. So for me, that's the North. And then the East for me is what's the new potential? What is the, what do I want to create for myself? That's Eagle and Condor, that flying so high in the sky and having that big picture And then also being able to track down all the way to the little tiny details and to kind of get a sense of the map of where am I going? What am I doing next? And what are the potentials in front of me? What are my choices? What could I choose that would set me in a direction? And so the East is helping us to get on that golden path. If it's your desire to be on the golden path of your highest destiny is like getting us on that path and making the bid for power to claim all that is entailed on that path. And it's a you know, when you make that bid for power of where you are going to get your tests and your activations and your invitations, and you're going to get up leveled. It's a wild journey, but it's also worth it. So for me, those are the four directions. And then Mother Earth is obvious. We have Mother Earth, but we have all the allies on Earth, the mountains, the rocks, the streams, the elements, the animals, the birds, all the life on Earth. And then we have the heavens above. We have the sun and the moon and all the star nations. So in the center is great spirit. God's first creator, your word, divine mother. I mean, there's like a million words to describe the one thing going on here that we're all part of. And so that's how I define the medicine well. Yeah, I love that. And I want to go back to the South because I feel like there's a lot of people like working on the East energy, I guess, because there's a lot of talk about manifesting and intention and getting what you want out of life and whatever it is for people. But I feel like the South is sort of being neglected by a lot of people because, you know, it's about being in your body and reconnecting with the earth. And and I feel like there's not a a whole lot of that happening. I feel like our culture and our society has set us up to kind of ignore our bodies and ignore the symptoms, the way that your body speaks to you, the the things it's telling you and what you need. And I feel like also that's connected to the earth. Not only are we neglecting our bodies, but we're neglecting our connection to the earth and the way we relate to the earth and how it's a part of us, just like our body is. And so I I just wonder, what do you think about that, about what's happening in in the larger picture as far as people are concerned with their bodies and the earth? Yeah, I think you're right. I think we have some difficult things we've got to face on earth. I mean, there's some unpleasant challenges ahead. And a lot of it has to do with um, decisions that we've made that have been made in haste, like really hasty decisions about things and a pile and piles and piles of hasty decisions. So when we make really hasty decisions on mass, we can't slow ourselves down long enough to consider the long-term impacts of our decisions because we're running so fast that we can barely keep up with it. And we keep ourselves in that distracted state. Then we're not being present with what 
our decisions are actually setting us on course for. So the decisions we make in the now, in the present, in our bodies are really important. But the thing is, when you're in the now and in your body, you're aware of all the mistakes. You're aware of all the things that actually need work, all the things that actually need rewiring. You're aware of that at a really deep and present level. And that it causes sensations in the body and awarenesses of the body. And it causes emotion, right? Awareness of stuck emotion and things that are stuck in the body that didn't get healed or things you were aware of, but you sort of tried to bypass it because you didn't really want to think about that. And you're just like, move on to the next thing, just move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. But we're never stopping and going, what have we created? Is this what we actually want and need for future generations? Doing that is deep work and it takes commitment and it takes developing capacity to be present with a lot of uncomfortable things. And, you know, so that's the medicine that I really teach is how to stay present with really uncomfortable things and hold yourself through those realizations so that there can be an alchemy of a realization at the other side that could totally change the direction in the course of your, of your life, your family's lives and everybody's lives for the better. If we could just slow down to have that wisdom come out of us. Right. And, and have that alchemy happen. It feels like we're in a time of reckoning where that was what we were doing before rushing ahead without really paying attention to the long-term consequences. And it's not going to be possible anymore. It wasn't sustainable. And now it's kind of all coming crashing down, whether that's actually in our physical bodies, and that's in the collective structures and the way that society is run. Like That's just not going to fly anymore. I don't remember where I heard this, but kind of like putting the garbage in the closet out of sight, out of mind. And then over time, that stench starts to come in. That's kind of like where we're at now, where all of the problems and things that we slept under the rug, they're just overflowing and coming out. And so we are being forced to, so we can, I I like throughout your book, kind of the shift of perspective, the way that you're saying, like looking at these things, the challenges as initiations and and looking at these healing opportunities and creating alchemy. And so, yeah, it just seems like that's the era that we're in right now. And, And I think your book is very timely. I think a lot of people are turning away from some of these old systems and recognizing that they don't work and they're looking for new alternatives, new or old, right? Or ancient, (laughs) both, because there's a lot of things that we turned away from out of ignorance or arrogance, and it's time to reclaim some of those things. It's also kind of a transformative time for new ideas to flow in as well. Your book kind of has a a blend of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I like what you were saying earlier about the the trash in the closet. That's a good analogy. It's not just symbolic. It's not just, that's not a metaphor. It's actually literal. We have a lot of waste piling up on our planet as well. And then we have to detoxify, not just our lives and our attitudes and our thoughts, but our bodies and our planet and everything. It's so necessary right now. And also what I liked about the beginning of your book, you talked about deprogramming. And I feel like that's a good way to like start, to start the process. Can you talk a little bit about deprogramming and how you use that in your life? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of this comes together, as you can see, because when we get into our bodies and we get present and we get that wake up call, we'll go, oh, maybe it's not such a great idea for us to have a system of like soda pop as the main beverage that people drink, or maybe I shouldn't be buying water that's been harvested from another country and leaving them without water supply. Or maybe I shouldn't buy this kind of tuna because it traps the dolphins. Or, I mean, we have like a million examples of that, right? We'd have to slow down long enough to research something to find out. And that is part of that deconditioning process. So for example, most of us, I mean, I'm 53. So I definitely come from the generation where we thought that if we went out and got our degree, our four-year college degree, and then we get the nice high paying job, and then we get the nice house, and then we get the nice car, and then we have the cute kids, and then we go on vacations, and we fly all over the world and go wherever we want as fun. And then we buy a lot of wine and we drink it. And then we go out to nice dinners. And that's the whole point of life is doing all that. It's like, okay, that is totally um, a construct. That's one way to be on the planet, but that is only one way to be on the planet. And that way of being on the planet means that you have to continually work hard at your job and keep breaking in the money, right? So that you can be a consumer and consume and travel and all of the in user resources and all of this. That's just one way of living. Like there's other people on the planet that I learned when I went on my voyages through my energy energy medicine training to Peru. And I saw these beautifully inner happy people that were rainbow ponchos called the Caro are high up in the Andes, totally content and happy with their lives with like rubber sandals and like feet caked in dirt and like mud houses. And they're happier than I was. Okay. They didn't have any like money in the terms that I have money, but they had wealth beyond I could even imagine. And they spend their time making prayers and offerings to mother earth. They spend their time like thinking in terms of the planet and honoring her and being grateful for the food on their tables and being grateful for their children and their lives and being grateful for their spouse and their community and their, and, and helping each other out. And it's called I need right relationship, spreading that right relationship around. And so they live their lives in this conversation of I need of right relationship and moon. I love that's like their whole focus and they're happier than we are. I'm telling you, I saw it, I felt it, I witnessed it, I experienced it. They are vastly happier than people in Western society who feel entitled and angry if they don't get what they thought they deserved and superior to other people and then want to argue and back and forth and who's right and who's wrong. And the amount of effort and time that we spend arguing on social media, think what would happen if we took that effort and put it towards solving world crisis like actually put that effort, that brain power towards solving crises on the earth. That would be amazing. We would solve so many problems in one week of just no social media. <laughs> like if we just came together and decided as a community, hey, we're going to solve this landfill problem. Hey, we need to solve why there's so much plastic. Hey, we need to solve why we have so many displaced animals in our community because we keep building on all the all the land and not leaving any room for wildlife. We need to solve that. We need to come together as a community. And I'm not going to watch television tonight and I'm not going to go on social media tonight because I'm going to go to a community forum 
and work on how we can come together as a community to have better planning so that we're taking care of all of our relations, right? So we have a very skewed, twisted, upside down worldview as Western people that is not in harmony with the earth. And that's really what we're facing right now. Yeah, I know. I, I love that. You know, everything you just said, because I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that 24 hours a day and, and you articulated it perfectly. And I have a kid and she's 15 now. So she goes to high school. And when I think about her and her life decisions from just the influences that are on her right now, it makes me a little sad because, yeah, like you said, <laughs> they aren't really given a lot of choices in the way they can live their lives. And that's really unfortunate because I feel like that's what perpetuates the whole thing is that we're setting our youth up to see the world in this box that you just described and nothing else. And that'll be the end of us, I think. But I'm not trying to be negative, but I do feel concerned for the youth. Like, hey, maybe it's up to us to kind of help them say, see, like, hey, what we're doing doesn't have to be the way that you do it. And maybe they'll see it for themselves because we're a little different than the generation before us. So hopefully they can make that leap. Yeah. I, but- I really want to address what you said about I'm not trying to be negative. I think a lot of people feel like when you have this conversation, it has a weight to it. It has a depth to it. It has a a frequency to it that is heavy. And that's because it's true and it's earth and it's messy and it's real. And it's not negative. It's realistic. It's like, we have to look at these things and we don't have to see them through the eyes of doom and gloom. What we could do though, is go, wow, this is a huge initiation for all of the planet, all human beings to really, especially Western people to really rewire our mindsets around things and put our brains on something more useful that would help solve some of these issues so that we do have longevity on the planet. Because if we just keep kind of living in the toxic positivity bubble and we ignore all the problems, we're going to end up extinct. I mean, that is what is going to happen. So I don't want that to happen. I'm a mom. I want to be a grandma and a great grandma. And I want my lineage to continue. I want us to survive. And so I, I put a lot of effort towards opening up this conversation anywhere that I can, that people are willing to have it. Because frankly, a lot of people are not willing to have this conversation. They kind of just want to stay in their matrix of consumerism and not actually slow down long enough to face this stuff. This makes me think of this word that you used that I hadn't heard of before. I mean, I was definitely familiar with the concept, but um, interpment. Could you define that for people who haven't heard of that? Yeah, it's a word I got from one of my first teachers, and it really made sense to me. It's like that feeling that you get when you're all moving around inside and there's like stagnation, but it starts to move and then you become aware of it and it feels nasty. And then you want to escape it, but you can't because you're in the process. And when you're in the process, once you're in the process, you can't stop knowing. Once you know, you can't stop knowing that thing. And then when you know more stuff, you can't stop knowing more stuff, which is why a lot of people that don't want to know anything, they sequester themselves and don't look at anything, right? Because they know once they know, they can't stop knowing. So that feeling is kind of like, the visual I give on it in the book is like a a mud caked glass. So consider a glass has just been caked with mud and it's the mud has been in there for so long that it's super dry and cakey and, but it's all pressed in there. So you can't just dump it out or chisel it out. You have to be patient while you pour water in the glass 
and the water runs off at first because the mud is so cakey it can't receive any water and and eventually as you keep pouring the water in it will start to soften and receive some of the water and then eventually if you keep pouring the water in it will start to like break off chunks of mud and they'll kind of glug to the surface and then they'll leave on the way out and if you just replace the metaphor of water with love you've got a, a pretty clear picture of what's going on in our society we have a lot of people who have been ignoring like the south for a long time and are caked up with mud and don't want to feel that but if you don't feel that you don't get the love either so you have to open up to receive the love and you have to open up to receive that higher consciousness. And as you open up, you'll receive it. And then you'll get that interment experience, which doesn't feel very good. It feels pretty bad actually. But if you keep doing it, it clears. And then you get to a space of clarity and what I like to call the hollow bone where you get those clear insights and you're taking action now from nuance, not from like your whole closet's full junk. Yeah, we're needing to face all that caked mud and accept it and recognize that it's there, accept that it's there, and then have, like you said, the willingness and the openness to receive and trust and surrender. Also, like for me, and my guide had mentioned this to me at the beginning of the year, also just the patience and perseverance, which isn't characteristic of you talk about Western cultures, right? We're like skipping ahead, we're skipping over steps, we're just wanting to get to the end thing, we're needing to learn some discipline and patience and to keep going. And so all of these problems that we see, theoretically, cosmically, quantumly, maybe they could be changed overnight. But more realistically, <laughs> it's going to take a lot of time. And we just have to remember that process and just keep going with it step by step, a little bit of dirt washing away each day as we move forward. It's really about devotion, right? So this is the next part of our curriculum on earth is to learn how to be devoted. So it's like, like you said, the discipline, the commitment, learning how to be really devoted and walk the path every single day, not as a quick fix, but as a deep inner conversation with the earth and connection with the ancestors, really in connection and consideration of all things. And here's one way I'd like to look at this is the indigenous people practice what's called the talking stick. And so when you go to a medicine journey, we also practice that. And the talking stick gets passed around in a community. Let's say there's a decision that has to get made. Every voice gets heard. Every voice gets to have the talking stick and share what they need to share. And everybody listens. And then it goes to the next person. And everybody listens. And then they go to the next person. And so like everybody's viewpoint is considered in a decision made by the community. And that's something that we've really lost in Western world because we've given our power of decision-making and our power of voice over to people that we elect to do that or people that, oh, they're supposed to be in charge of that. So I don't have to pay attention to that. We have a lot of things that we say, well, I don't have to pay attention to that. And then there's a certain few people in charge of it. You have to wonder like, what are their motivations? What is their ethics? What's their perspective? Are they really doing what's greatest service for the whole planet? Or are they doing what's greatest service for themselves? And frankly, there's a lot of people doing greatest service for themselves and not really thinking about how it impacts everybody. So we need to really change a lot of things. You can tell like there's a lot of systems that need to totally change. 
And I know Tim was going to say something about that. So I want to go back over to Tim. Oh, no, I'm really glad that you actually just spoke up before I did, because it was really funny because you said that we need to be devoted and committed. I was just thinking last night I pulled that card. I never pull cards. I only pull one once a week. And I got the card that said, be devoted and committed. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And not only that, so that was a weird synchronicity, but my next question for you was going to be about synchronicities because I know you talk about those in your book. So I wanted to change the subject and talk about synchronicities. But before we did that, I did want to say this, that yes, you're right. There are a lot of people who are more concerned with themselves than being of service to others. And I think that we get thrown those people in our face a lot because through the media and um, they're, they're actually a smaller number than you might think, but they get a lot of attention because we have these systems set up to give them attention. And so the vast majority of people are actually in service to others. Like we're here to make this place a better place for everyone, but the ones who are getting all the attention are not, they're concerned about themselves and themselves only. And I noticed this a lot too, when I go into the world and I see what's happening and, and it can make you really upset or it can make you hopeful because I think it's kind of like their last grasp too, also, because the energy is really changing. I, I mean, just through the over the course of my life, I can tell that people in general and the planet and, and everything is really rapidly changing. And I feel like those kinds of people are having um, a harder and harder time as things go the direction that they're going. I, ju I did just want to say that too. But yeah, maybe you could talk about synchronicities. Yeah. I mean, it can be fun, right? I mean, this whole path, if we view it through a different eyes, we can see how humanity has called forth this initiation for itself, has called forth this challenge, this big challenge. It's like any dramatic movie that has like the superheroes had to come and save the day from like sure destruction. And we've seen lots of Marvel movies about that. And this is like kind of our version of it as humanity is like, wow, we really kind of created a mess on earth with all of our short-term decision-making. We have this opportunity now to step into higher consciousness and to open our hearts and to feel all the feelings and to open to these higher guidance systems that are available to us on the planet. Like I said, I open to the four directions every day and mother earth and all, even the trees, even the rocks. I mean, everything is part of this system. Everything is part of this living organism called mother earth that we're all a cell in mother earth. So when you start to realize that and you set your intention, like, okay, I want to be in service, mother earth. Like, how can I be in service? How can I be in service today? And then you listen you open and you notice and you become the witness, you're going to be led, you're going to be guided, you're going to be inspired by something. Maybe you'll see somebody at, at the store doing something really kind and you go, I like that idea. I'm going to do that too. Or maybe you'll see, you'll have a, a loved one that needs support and you'll become aware of an organization that's doing really good work. And you'll decide, I want to become a part of that. I like what they're doing. I really like it. I want to tell more people about it. Maybe you'll see an ad on because you're watching television or you're on social media and you'll say, you know what? That is a really good point. I'm going to share that. It could be as simple as I'm going to share this post because this post is really meaningful to me. And then you might help that post get a thousand views or 2000 views. And that message gets out to all those people and it makes a difference. So there's so many ways that we each can be in service every single day. 
And the key ingredient is really being willing to let your will be guided by divine will, let your ears listen to Mother Earth, and become part of this, what Richard Rudd calls the synarchy, become part of the synarchy and surrender yourself into the mycelium network that we're all connected into this giant conscious structure called Earth. And we can serve her and all of us, the we consciousness with with our devotion and, and paying attention to these synchronistic moments and saying, yes, when you get the, you might get the message in your head. I had a couple of people ask me recently that I said, well, my soul kept saying like, I needed to write this book about my journey with healing this particular thing. But like, I just think it's crazy because I'm not even a writer and I don't even know who would even listen to me and how could I even do that? And I'm like, well, that's the point. <laughs> like, do it. You know, I mean, you'll find out on the other side, what's the point of it, but you have to actually do it before you find out. Right. And you don't know how many people that story will touch. Like that might really make the difference to somebody. So it's like, pay attention when it's asking you to do those things and just do it. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Synchronicity just is logical. When, once you start to think in terms of everything is connected, then synchronicity isn't so bizarre <laughs> because everything is connected. So constantly, if we're aware that go for a walk in nature and nature telling me, or what is Mother Earth telling me, or all of these things, or what is my body telling me and in recognizing, like you said, that we're all part of this like web or network, then it's just a, a way the system communicates with itself, the way that our body tells us things and our emotions tell us things. Going back to something that you said earlier, you talk about sort of different themes around like coming back to our authentic self and becoming empowered within ourself, right? And the difference between the structures that we're coming from, which is power over and then moving into power within. And you also mentioned earlier the bid for power. So whatever you'd like to share on the theme of power and authentic power. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, this topic gets testy in my in my circles because it raises up a lot of things when people start to see the power over structures that are all over our society. They start to freak out a little bit because it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize it was like that, but it totally is. So when power over is kind of like, you have to do this thing, there's an outer structure forcing you into a behavior or a concept or an idea that you have to do because you have to do it. And you have obligations and there's expectations on you. There's roles that you fill. And then as a role that you're filling, you have certain expectations about what you'll say, what you don't say, how you behave, how you don't behave. And if you break any of those, then you get ousted, right? So you get kicked out of the club, so to speak. So for example, in some really dogmatic Christian religions, if women have sex before marriage, then they're ousted from their family systems and then nobody in their family will talk to them, right? So that's one example of power over. So you're trying to force somebody to have to live a certain way or have certain behavior. And in order to do that, you have drastic consequences. So our whole police system is like that, like people that break the law, we have all these laws. And then when people break the law, they're punished and they have to go to prison. This is all power over. And really, why do we have to have power over structures? Because people don't know, they don't have intrinsic motivation to behave in certain ways. So they don't intrinsically have power themselves or know that they have power themselves 
So they're constantly engaged in trying to get power from other people, you know, resources, money, power, status, attention, validation, you know, you name it, anything that a person needs, they're trying to get those needs met from the outside world. And they're trying to manipulate things in order to get their needs met, right? So they might steal from somebody, or they might do some terrible behavior against somebody so they can get their needs met. That's all because people are not aware of their own co-creative power. It's because they don't really understand that they can create anything that they want without taking it from someone else or without involving someone else. And the power over structure is also here to enforce certain moral codes, right? So some institutions would like you to have certain moral codes and they want to enforce their ideology on you. So there's these rules about that. So when you come into power within you usually have to fight back or or basically do an action that the system is going to now reject you for, right? So when you start to go into your inner power, let's say you are Christian and you go into your inner power and you say, what happening in this church or what you're telling me, I don't think is true. I don't feel like it's true for me. I feel like earth is safe. I feel like the the plants and the animals are here for me. I feel like they're harmless. I want to connect with nature. And I don't feel like that's a bad thing for me. And But in your particular church, it's terrible and it's satanic and you're going to go to hell, right? Well, if you're going to go in your power within, you've got to say, well, I'm going to go my own way anyway. (laughs) You have to walk. You're going to be guided to walk your way, to walk the way that your soul is guiding you. And it's going to probably mean loss of relationships, loss of community, loss of belonging. That's how these systems of power overwork. If you don't play by their rules, you get kicked out. So we have so many of those systems, it'd be hard to list them all, like almost every system, if you start looking in your life or in your family system, even like if you, if you don't tow the family line about X, Y, and Z, then you're kind of out or people are angry with you or upset about you. Right. So we have to move from power over to power within. And when we go to power within, one of the key shifts is that we don't source from outside of ourselves. Like we don't source validation or belonging from outside. We source from inside. We don't source power from outside. We source from inside. And when we source from inside, it's kind of like if there was a whole forest of trees that instead of having their roots in the ground, they had their roots wrapped around each other, kind of forcing each other into certain behaviors. That's kind of what society is right now. So we have to put our roots down into the ground. And the more of us that put our roots down straight into the ground and stop wrapping them around other people or other institutions, we just go right down into the ground. We start to tap into something really true for us. And our truth might not match anybody else's truth in our family or anybody else's truth in our community or anybody else's truth that we met up until now. It might not match. So that's our initiation into inner power. That's that bid for power. I want to be authentically me, my bid for power. I want to walk the world being authentically me and no harm, no foul to anybody else. Just be myself. That is a huge bid for power on the planet right now. And it is a difficult road because we have to dismantle all of these uh, support structures, the places that we got support from, right? And, And we have to learn how to find support within ourselves or trust synchronicity to connect us with other people that would be a new kind of family or a new kind of community to support us on our path. So we're learning how to do that. And to learn how to do that without slamming doors on family or community is also like a really big challenge for people right now, because they feel hurt or rejected, and then they want to slam doors. 
you know, which is totally understandable, but the less we can do, the more we kind of don't do that. And like, if we can avoid it and just realize this is just part of the rewiring and restructuring process, I think we'll get through this time and get to some authentic synarchy. Synarchy is based on authenticity, your authentic self, your authentic design, your unique design, being fully aligned with that is what makes synarchy actually possible because then it's authentic alignments that are happening instead of like trying to force things a certain way. It's a messy process and birth is a messy process. Puberty is a messy process. Like we just have to embrace that and recognize the value in where it's taking us because otherwise right now there's just a lot of confusion when people, yeah, when you look outside of yourself to find truth, it's very confusing, right? There's a lot of strong arguments to be made in any direction. If you don't have your own connection to your inner authority and you're looking outside, um, it's going to be very confusing. And I've seen that a lot, even in spiritual communities, things like, for instance, I'm a Reiki master, and there's more and more this idea that keeps coming out. Oh, Reiki is the false light. Don't trust it. And just watch this video and it explains it all. (laughs) I don't need to watch that video. I have my own connection with Reiki. I know from my inner knowing that this energy is high vibrational energy coming from love. So when someone's trying to logic me or explain me into a different perspective, it just doesn't work, but I'm seeing more of that where people are are trying to make a good argument for something. And I always just say, well, have you experienced it yourself? Is that something that you know within yourself? Or is it because of that great TikTok video or that YouTube video? And they're like, I won't try that. So it's just, it's disheartening to see a lot of people trusting something outside of themselves and not being willing or able to go within themselves to find the truth and the answers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's fear. Fear plays a big role in that path. I think letting go of power too that you have over things and people and situations is is very hard to do. Just the process of letting go is powerful in itself. And then also claiming your own power. That's not easy either, because like you were saying, Carrie, that you you could destroy relationships. You could potentially blow up your entire life the way that you know it now. And that's really scary for people. So yeah, it's hard, but I think it's not impossible and and, and everything happens in steps and it's a process. It's not overnight. You're not going to claim your power in one night. It's definitely a, it's a journey and it's an unfolding journey, but talking about blowing up your entire life. I mean, I did that. <laughs> I blew the whole thing up. I just lit the whole forest on fire. And the thing about it is that there's still some parts that are singed that some people got singed and not really willing to be in, back in a family kind of connection, right? That is part of that. That's a part of that process. And The other thing, though, is that when forests burn down, they burn all the way down, and then that releases the seeds and the pine cones, and then a new forest grows. That's actually way more healthy and true. That's what's happened in my life. So, in terms of my life and in my for my sons, like what's grown back is like a very healthy, true forest. 
And that that forest is always invitational to those who feel singed and would like to be back in connection, right? But I'm not requiring that and I don't need it to move forward. And I think that is really a place of inner power, knowing that I'm going to stay in my own lane and do my work that I need to do on the planet. I'm going to stay in my lane and trust that everybody else is in their lane. And that lane might mean that we're not going to be connected in this lifetime, right? Because that lane might be, you know, taking them in a different direction. It might be a lot of like lingering in the wound and not transforming it into wisdom. But that also can be beneficial for some people to go through a lifetime of of that experience to see like, what's that like if I just stay in my wound and I don't transform it into wisdom? What happens? Because we're multidimensional. We have many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like getting ourselves out of this idea of this is the one and only life and into like, oh, this is, I can be creative with this. This is my time as Carrie, you know, and, and your time is Tiana and your time is Tim. Like you can get creative with it. You don't have to learn all your lessons in one lifetime. I don't even think you could do that. So <laughs> I like the, the forest fire metaphor. And it just brings us back again, that nature has so much wisdom. If we're paying attention, we can really learn so much from it and take so much from it when we slow down and, and we look and we see deeply from our inner self. Absolutely. Well, it looks like we're out of time already, but I was wondering if you could please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and your book and your services that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So the book is on Amazon, of course, and it's already doing really well. So I'm really pleased. You know, I'm really glad to see people are getting benefit from it. My website has the book and all my other books and classes and things like that. That's carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And if you'd like the first chapter and a grounding meditation, you can go to carriehummingbird.com forward slash inner medicine, and you'll find that there and you'll get on my list and you'll get to know about events and things like that. And I'm here in Austin with you guys. Yeah. And your book just has so much to offer so much in there. So I hope that people will check it out. And they read that first chapter, they'll see, I like you put a lot of your own stories in there. That storytelling kind of way of, of teaching is really a fun way to learn. Yep. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank really you. Guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Carrie for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing her gifts and knowledge with us. To find out more about Carrie and her offerings, as well as her new book, Inner Medicine, you can find her at CarrieHummingbird.com, and that's K-E-R-R-I Hummingbird.com. Thanks to everyone that made this podcast possible, produced and hosted by Tim Howe and Tiana Roser, music by Casey Henson. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen. This really does help other people find us. And I have noticed more reviews for the podcast recently, so thank you very much to anyone who took the time to post a review. It's greatly appreciated. Take care.